Episode 11 of All Those Things Revealed. I used the back door and made my way to the clearing, which led to the narrow path. It was a clear and cold day. I wrapped my shawl around myself. I walked briskly down the path, enjoying the feel of the sun and the wind on my face. After having walked for about ten minutes, I heard the sound of voices. I knew that I was nearing Una O'Day's cottage. I approached a bend in the path. On the right side of the bend, the hedge was taller and more overgrown. I knew that if I was careful, I could hide myself in the hedge and see further down the path. I made my way to the bend and quickly slipped through the hedge. I moved further along the hedge to get a better view. The hedge growth caught at my clothes. I stopped for a moment and tried to think of how I would explain any snags or rips to Mother. I would just have to tell her that I had been behind our cottage looking for Shannon. The earthiness of the hedge growth and soil filled my nostrils. I moved a bit further in the bend and stopped abruptly. I could see the sources of the voices clearly. Father Brady and another priest were facing my direction. The other priest was much older than Father Brady. Another man who appeared to be about five years my senior was standing near these two priests. He was shouting at them. I could not make out everything he said, but I could see his face even at that distant vantage point. He was very angry. His face was contorted as he shouted. I knew instantly that this angry young man must be Mrs. Brady's cousin, Adam. I crouched down further and watched them. Father Brady and his companion had stopped walking. Father Brady's companion tried to speak to the young man and was rudely shouted at. Suddenly I felt something brush my shoulder. I started and turned abruptly. I was both relieved and embarrassed to find that what had brushed my shoulder was Shannon's hand. He was crouched down to my level. He held a finger to his lips to indicate that I should be silent. I smiled at him despite the fact that I was absolutely mortified. He leaned close to me and whispered in my ear, That is Father Brady's uncle. He is 80 if he is a day. The young man that is shouting at them is my cousin Adam. I nodded my head. I was keenly aware of Shannon's close proximity to me, his warm breath on my ear, and the scent of laundry soap from his clothing. Why is Adam shouting at them? I whispered. As soon as I asked, I realized that Shannon knew that I knew the identity of Father Brady. I began to wonder how much he knew. My parents' shame hung over me. I became instinctively self-conscious. He reached for my hand and led me to another hedge. It was larger and there was a space which we squeezed through. It opened to a wider space. He let go of my hand and gave me a signal to remain silent. Soon the shouting ceased. I looked at Shannon and motioned for us to move on. He shook his head. Within a few moments, we heard the sound of someone brushing along hedges, followed by footsteps. I looked through the hedge and saw that Adam was approaching. I held my breath and looked at Shannon. He smiled at me. Despite my misgivings about his having possibly learned of my history, I couldn't help but return his smile. Adam grew closer. 
He passed by us totally unaware of our presence. I did not move a muscle. I looked at Shannon again. He gazed at me with tenderness and admiration. I knew then that whatever he had been told about me, it had not caused him to have a negative opinion of me. I felt my confidence begin to return. After standing together in silence for a few minutes, he turned to me. I think it is safe for us to proceed, he said. He took my hand again and led me through the hedge. Once we began to walk on the path, he released my hand. I looked in his direction. You never answered my question, I said. Why was he shouting at them? Shannon smiled broadly. I am not going to tell you, he said with a wink. I am going to show you. We walked along the path and soon reached Una O'Day's cottage. Shannon motioned for me to lower my head. He opened the gate at the entrance of her property. It creaked. He abruptly stopped. After a moment's hesitation, he carefully began to open it slowly. We exchanged looks. He motioned for me to enter. He followed me and just as carefully closed the gate. He walked ahead of me and then dashed towards the side of her cottage. He looked behind him and motioned for me to follow. I followed him and soon we were both crouched down beneath a small window. He crept towards another larger window at the front of the cottage, all the while keeping himself crouched down. I watched him and then did the same. When I joined him, we were both crouched beneath the larger window. I put my ear to the cottage and could hear the sound of a man's voice. I could not discern what he was saying, but he was clearly speaking loudly. Shannon sat down on the ground. I watched him and did the same. I looked at him and was suddenly overcome with the urge to laugh. I stifled my laughter and saw that it was infectious because he was suddenly trying not to laugh. We must have been heard by someone inside of the cottage because we suddenly heard a booming voice call out, Who is there? He grabbed my hand and we ran to a nearby hedge, which ran along the other side of the cottage. We reached it just as we heard the door to Una's cottage open. Shannon smiled at me and motioned for me to be quiet. Soon we heard the door close. We are going to return to the same place. Move quickly and keep yourself crouched low, he said. I nodded and did not speak out of fear that I would begin to laugh again. We moved quickly to the window and sat beneath it. Once we were settled, I looked at him with a questioning look. Just a few more minutes, he whispered. I nodded in agreement and looked about the area in front of the cottage. It was then that I saw that the gate had not been completely closed. If the wind caused it to open, it would surely creak. I pointed at it just as Shannon noticed it. He quickly and stealthily began to make his way to the gate. I was suddenly alone beneath the window. I realized that my confidence drained the moment he left my side. If someone were to discover me and ask me why I was sitting under this window, I wouldn't be able to answer. The thought of it almost caused me to begin laughing again. Shannon reached the gate and carefully closed it completely. He tugged on it to confirm that it was definitely locked in place. He looked back at me and gave me an affirmative nod. He then retraced his steps 
and was soon sitting beside me. After a few moments, he motioned at me with his hand. Do as I do, he whispered. He slowly and silently turned himself about. I did the same. Both of us were crouched beneath the window with our noses to the cottage wall. He then gradually raised himself so that he could look through the window and see into the cottage. He glanced downwards towards me and nodded. Whatever you do, do not make a sound, he said. I raised myself slowly until I too could see inside of the cottage. At the far end of the main room near the hearth, Father Brady and Una O'Day stood in front of the old priest. Father Brady was wearing his clerical clothing, and his clothes appeared to be new. Una was dressed in a simple but lovely black dress. Even from my compromised vantage point, I could see that it was made of silk. She also wore a black lace mantilla veil. They faced the old priest who spoke to them. I could hear their muffled voices, first that of the old priest, and then the less robust voices of Father Brady and Una O'Day. He blessed them. He spoke to them again, and they turned to face each other. He then reached behind him and picked up something. I strained to see what it was. He turned around fully, and I lowered my head. It is safe to raise yourself, Shannon said. I raised myself again and looked inside. The old priest was holding three red cords that appeared to be no thicker than my smallest finger and no longer than the length of my arm. He placed two of the cords onto a small raised table. He held the third one in his hands. He closed his eyes and said something that must have been a prayer. Father Brady lifted one of his hands, and Una joined one of her hands with his. The old priest proceeded to tie their joined hands together. Once he had finished, he reached for a second cord. After a short prayer, he further tied their hands together with the second cord. Finally, he did the same with the third cord. It is called hand fasting, Shannon whispered. They are now bound together under God. The old priest lifted his hands and placed them onto Father Brady and Una's bound hands. He closed his eyes and began to pray. I had one hand on a window ledge and my other hung at my side. The one that hung at my side was nearest to Shannon. As the prayers were said, Shannon reached for my hand and held it in his. I felt his fingers enclose around my hand and enjoyed his touch. I closed my eyes for a moment and wondered what it would be like to be kissed by him. I then thought of my mother and father. I knew that any man that asked for my hand would be sent away. They were too ashamed of me to give me away to a fine young man such as Shannon. Once my condition became known, Shannon would probably be ashamed of ever having fancied me. I believed at that moment that I would never stand in front of a priest and have my hands bound to another's. I would never be able to marry a kind young man such as the one that stood beside me. I would never be free of this burden of shame. No, it would only increase as my condition became obvious. I felt tears sting my eyes, and I pulled my hand away. Shannon glanced at me with surprise. I could tell that I had hurt him. I'm sorry, I said. 
The tears I had managed to blink away were now rolling down my cheeks. His look of hurt became a look of confusion and concern. I turned from him and ran away. I ran as fast as I could. A few days later, Mrs. Brady arrived unannounced. I was sitting at our table eating lunch. I had to stifle a laugh at Mother's surprise, as she had done the same to Mrs. Brady. Mother was preparing to take Father's lunch to him, as he was working for the next few days at a cottage that was less than a ten minutes' walk from ours. Mother invited Mrs. Brady to come in for tea. Mrs. Brady entered our cottage. She immediately declined the offer for tea, which surprised me. I gave her a broad smile that Mother did not see. Thank you, but I cannot stay. I am visiting several people today, Mrs. Brady said. Oh, Mother replied. Yes, my son and Miss Una O'Day would like for you and your family to join us tonight at Miss Una O'Day's cottage for a very special celebration. Do you know which one is her cottage? Mrs. Brady asked. Yes, I believe so. I'm not sure if Costanza will be able to join us because she has been unwell these last few days, Mother said. She looks hearty and healthy from what I can see, Mrs. Brady said, glancing in my direction at the warm smile. Mrs. Brady's response surprised Mother and left her speechless. Before she could reply, Mrs. Brady cheerfully added, and Father Brady has requested her attendance. I had to suppress a smile at the sight of Mother's discomfort. Please arrive after seven tonight, Mrs. Brady said. Mother nodded. Yes, thank you, Mrs. Brady. We will be there, Mother said. As she did this, she actually began to wring her hands. I still need to visit several more people. I look forward to seeing you and your family tonight, Mrs. Brady said. She turned and walked out of our cottage, leaving us gracefully and quickly as she had arrived. I looked at Mother, awaiting her wrath. Why would Father Brady insist on your attendance? Your father will not be pleased, she said, not bothering to conceal her irritation and anger. I did not answer. Mother began to wrap father's lunch items. She paused after a few moments. I'm sure that young man has something to do with this. He has probably spoken to Father Brady about you, she said, her voice still irritated but less angry than before. Mother finished putting Father's pack together and briskly walked past me. She was in her and Father's room for a few moments before she emerged wearing her coat. We will attend, but we will not stay for long, she said. She glared at me. I didn't respond. Do you understand, she asked. I nodded. I could detect some panic rising in Mother's voice. She was probably trying to think of how she would explain this to Father. After we have stayed for a short time, you will feign illness, and that will give us an excuse to leave, she added. She looked at me suspiciously. What celebratory event would require our attendance, she asked. I gave her an innocent look. I do not know, Mother, I said. She gave me a wry smile. I'm sure you do not, she said in a sarcastic tone. She grabbed Father's pack and stormed out of the cottage. The cottage door was slammed shut. I jumped in my seat at the sound of it. As soon as she was gone, I began to chuckle. When Father returned that evening, I was once again seated at our table. 
He gave me a long look, but he did not say anything to me. It was already half past six and father still had to wash up before we could leave. He was wet, muddy, and sweaty. He sighed and looked at mother. I cannot possibly get cleaned and ready to leave in time. You two go ahead without me. Give Father Brady and Miss O'Day my apologies. Once I am cleaned up, I will follow, he said. Mother began busying herself. She put a larger kettle of water onto the fire and added to our fire to increase the heat. She gathered towels and soap for Father. She even made him a small meal in case he was unable to follow us. By the time we left, it was nearly seven. I knew that we had to take the longer route because I could not divulge the fact that I knew of the path. We had a 20-minute walk ahead of us. We would definitely arrive after seven, well after seven. We walked along briskly. Mother did not speak to me. I knew that she was still sore about this entire episode and that by the end of the evening, she would find some reason to correct my behavior. My mind drifted to the day that I had first explored my new home. I thought of how I had hidden in a hedge so that I would not be seen by Mr. Macy or my parents. I flushed with embarrassment at the thought of how I had run away from Mrs. Brady just as she was opening her door to welcome me. My heart warmed at the memory of how hospitable and kind she and Father Brady had been to me. I thought of Shannon and wondered if he would be at Father Brady and Una's event. As soon as this thought crossed my mind, I realized that his attendance was not in question. Of course he would be there. The young man that clandestinely helped me watch Father Brady and Una's union would not miss this event. I thought of how he had held my hand as we had watched. I flushed with embarrassment at the thought of how I had run from him. It was the sight of Father Brady and Una exchanging their holy vows and the old priest fasting their hands together that had stirred in me a longing which was quickly followed with shame and resentment because I knew that I could not have the same. I would never stand before a priest with Shannon and have my hands fasted with his. He could not possibly want me once he learned the truth. I was ruined. I also wondered if Mother knew the nature of this event. Did she know that Father Brady and Una had been joined and fasted? Would she object? She had no trouble in taking pride in the past, but I couldn't imagine her taking a stand, especially if any of our neighbors objected to the Caliday traditions. I assumed that some did because I had been told that we had two different priests. Father Brady was our Caliday priest, and our official parish priest was another that I had yet to meet. I had been told that his name was Father McMahon. It was inevitable that some would show a preference for the priest that was officially recognized as the main parish priest by Mother Church at the expense of Father Brady. When we reached Mrs. Brady's cottage, I saw that Shannon was standing nearby. I wondered if he had anticipated my arrival with Mother. As soon as he saw us, he began walking towards us. I see your young man is here, Mother said in a low voice. I ignored her. My face flushed and I wondered how Shannon would react towards me. 
He reached us and gave me a kind, compassionate look, which did much to put me at ease. He took his eyes from me and gave Mother a smile. Good evening, Mrs. Delamar. Please let me show you to Miss Una O'Day's cottage, he said. Mother gave a small and tight smile. Thank you, she said flatly and without a bit of warmth. We walked silently towards the entrance to the path. Twilight had quickly given way to darkness. We carefully made our way down the path. Shannon walked ahead of us, leading the way. What are we celebrating? Mother asked. Shannon glanced back at Mother. The union of Father Brady and Miss Una O'Day, he said. Mother was silent. I was walking behind her, so I could not see the expression on her face. I smiled to myself. I could imagine her displeasure and discomfort. Her continued silence to Shannon's response confirmed this. Once we arrived at Una O'Day's cottage, the sounds of revelry could be heard from several feet away, even though the cottage door and windows were shut. When we stopped at the front door, I could see Mother stiffen before she had even entered the cottage. We followed Shannon into the cottage. My senses were assailed by the sounds of fiddle music, laughter, and cheering, as well as the aromas of food, stiff drink, tobacco smoke, sweat, and wet wool. The cottage was crowded. He led us to a couple of unoccupied seats not far from the hearth. As we passed people, many welcomed us. I could tell that some of those that were present were already happy and careless with drink. Once we were seated, Shannon motioned to us that he'd return. Mother did not reply. I smiled and nodded. I looked around at the villagers. Many returned my gaze with a nod, smile, or how are you, miss? I watched as Shannon navigated through the crowd, returning to us with two glasses of cider. I realized that Mr. Macy must have provided some of his cider. Shannon handed mine to me and then handed Mother's to her. Let me know if you want something stronger, he said with a smile and a wink. Mother glared at him and did not answer. I looked down and tried not to laugh. The smile was spreading across my face despite my efforts. I glanced at Shannon and he smiled and shrugged. His response thoroughly irritated Mother. Shannon motioned that he would return soon. I knew that he was probably going to bring us some food. Many of those crowding the cottage were seated on chairs and balancing plates of food. The only tables were pushed to the longest wall of the cottage and covered with food and drink. The fiddle player stopped playing music. When I looked in their direction, I could see that they were taking a break to drink and eat. One of them winked at me. I smiled and nodded. I looked at Mother. She certainly was not happy. She sat with her back erect and did not even try to be social with anyone that sat near us. After a few minutes, Shannon returned with two plates of food. I thanked him. I was relieved that Mother did too. I placed my drink on the floor next to my feet. Mother watched me. I reached for her drink and did the same. We ate without speaking to each other. This episode of All Those Things Revealed is based on a novel of the same name, available in print and Kindle formats at Amazon.com. Thank you for listening to the Iris Stories podcast.